listening to Radio Level 5. Welcome to another interview series of Radio Level 5. Today, uh, me, Bas van den Hout and Hitane Forat will interview uh, Olaf Winkler. Um, and, uh, so, welcome, Olaf. Hello, hi. Hi. Um, we were speaking, uh, or we decided to start uh, speaking about uh, your drawings, and from there we will move on. So uh, I was thinking, um, could you describe your like uh, because you have big drawings, um, big drawings collages, and uh, also smaller ones? Could you uh, describe it a little bit for the listener? Yeah, uh, I can try, of course. It's a bit funny because to describe a drawing, if it's if they are not really clearly figurative, it's not so easy. It's more about the way they are made, I would say. But uh, if we take one which is not too old, rather big, actually, it's something between drawing and painting and collage, indeed. It's about two meters high or so, I would say, something like this. So it's almost the wall. Mm -hmm. And let's say a tiny bit less wide. So you, mean, you mean the wall in the sense of in, in the space? In the studio. In like the, space, the studio yeah, space yeah. is probably 230 or something like this, and it's almost covering the entire height, and in the, in the width is a tiny bit less. So it's, let's say, 180 by 220 or something like this. And um, actually, the, the material is not normal paper, but it's translucent paper in that case. It's chalk paper. It's chalk paper. Yeah, in, 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 yeah. in a way. But it's actually, it's paper which is really cheap. It's used to put cheese in, I think, originally. Mm. And um, so it's just glued together. So actually, just the, the paper itself is already kind of a collage. And um, in between this rather regular system of papers, which are... A3 approximately, something like 30 or 40 centimeters each. And then you have like a modular system, you get like this big screen, let's put it like mm -hmm. that. But part of this edition of papers is also uh, magazine pages, pages. So it's a kind of a collage, which is mainly transparent, but here and there, there's slightly um, pieces of photos, images that I just pulled out of magazines, mm -hmm. but very, very few. And that is something like a relic of things that I did before when I did a lot of collages. They were also always made up of these magazine pages. Mm -hmm. And then I painted over them. And this that I'm talking about now, it's simply called Big, actually, because it's my biggest drawing. <laughs> um, you have like a tiny bit of pieces of this collage as a memory of what was there before. And then for the rest, it's actually a drawing, different materials, it's oil, acrylics, wax crayons, different kinds, even like pencil and so on. And it's more, well, I would maybe call them whirling, like whirling colors, whirling lines. It's, there's some bigger spots of color, but most of it is actually lines just in a, mm -hmm. in a way. And you can rather well see how I did them, probably the speed of the lines, yeah. quite clear. So. Maybe that's the one that is the easiest to describe because afterwards I did a lot of drawings and then it's, it's hard I to can, describe it. I can already, I have a question for, for this yeah. kind of work. Referring back to the interview that you and I did with Chloe Malcotti, you were speaking, we were speaking about the frame at one moment. And we were speaking like from a point of view from through the, 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 the viewfinder, the camera lens, the idea that the frame shows something, chooses something, but then eliminates many other things. So about the action of erasure 
And we were speaking also about sculpture. So sculpture in a sense of adding material, adding matter into a form, creating a form, but also a Giacometti kind of, of, of sculpting where you take away until you arrive to an essence. And you were speaking about how for you, uh, adding, you know, paint or these gestures on magazine, you on one hand add, right? But on the other hand, you erase. Yeah. So how does, so let's uh, to form that into a question or like to kind of encourage you to elaborate on that. What is it in the, in the magazine that directs your movement? Let's say yeah. like, actually it's, it's a, it's a pretty good question. It's something that I was quite busy with in the last years. And uh, that's also the reason why I described this one uh, piece, which is uh, in between piece between two, let's say periods where I worked on. And um, because right now I make smaller drawings, which are not collages anymore, but some of the effects that you are talking about are still in there because they, of course, recur also in normal, normal, in, just like in, in brackets, um, normal painting that you are always covering something up as well. If you proceed with a simple black and li uh, black and white drawing, it's more just adding usually. But if you mix drawing with some painting characteristics you always get this putting on top of it as well but now it's much more delicate and but for me it's quite important and indeed i explored that a lot uh, in the period which is like well it's not even finished yet but i did it very strongly two years ago let's put it that way and there was a lot of these collages and that is true i i added magazine papers painted on it and with every uh, gesture with every line but especially with every spot of paint, you take something away. And for me, it was quite important to um, to have this background, actually, to not paint on the white paper. Um, the question of yours, what is guiding my line or what am I taking away? It even starts a tiny bit before that, because even though they look kind of arbitrary, partially the collages might look like arbitrary, I think. Um, I chose them, of course. I went through all of these months of magazines that I had and I chose certain kinds. It depended a bit on the work, if it's more chosen by color or chosen by structure, most of the time it's both. And the lines um, and the gestures and the adding or covering up that I do is quite often uh, guided very directly by the forms that I find not necessarily by the content. I have, for example, something from a Saudi Arabian uh, city landscape or whatever, and then it's not like a political, a political drawing or so, I wouldn't say that. I mean, it's still visible, so these things are in there, but it's more like a um, question of structure, structures that I find. Within the paper. Yeah, within the paper. Also, within the photos. By going back to describing the work, I also have always the feeling that uh, the line itself is really important in your work. Yeah. Because you really have a, a different sensitivity of lines, like some are more aggressive, more roughly, other more fine. So uh, could you say something about that? Like, uh, what, what, what is the line for you? Uh, actually, the line is quite important. Uh, before that, some years ago, and I had a discussion with a friend of mine about this, uh, I did really, really tiny drawings. 
very small ones. I mean, they were on A5 paper, but the drawings themselves were sometimes just like a few centimeters big. And we talked a lot about the, the speed of the line. And that even though I used different kind of ones, a pencil, one a pen, a felt pen, whatever, and they didn't look like they're the same, uh, you can make things fit or unfit just by the speed and by the power that you apply to a certain line. And is that and for you also the reason why you use like crayon, pencil, because they have a different line in yeah, itself? Yeah. Yeah. And they also have a different character um, when it comes to covering up. So, for example, with a, with a dark charcoal, you can cover up quite easily, but everything below it disappears. While if you take like a white wax crayon, what is below will always shine through. And with oil, I also use oil on paper. And then, I mean, you can just by the density of the oil, you can define yourself that. But I just wanted to add, so um, actually two questions come a bit together. The, the, importance of the, the importance of the line is one thing, or of the movement. And that also very much defined from a certain point when I got a bit more like trusting myself, uh, which kind of papers I choose for these collages. That I, I wanted photos that already gave like a hint or a starting point for these lines. For example, I worked on certain occasions, I worked a lot with hair or with clothes. In the magazines. In the magazines, yeah, because I like architecture a lot. I studied architecture. I come from architecture. I always wanted to work with architecture, with buildings. But of course, textile and hair is much easier. So I use much more figures because you can even prolong them by just going on. You take a line which mm -hmm. is already in there. And the movement of line, which I'm interested in, is not the geometrical line so much anymore. And architecture, most of the time, is quite geometrical. Maybe I was just mm -hmm. sick of the geometrical line because I used to draw a lot of architecture before. <coughs> but um, so, yeah, it comes together. I chose these photos. And they also define a lot of the lines. Mm -hmm. And the decision of uh, the chalk uh, the paper, is it also really a conscious decision? to um, Because the magazine is, of course, it's more kind of a high-class thing. Yeah. And then this chalk paper, this cheap paper, it's like adding something valuable on something less valuable. Is that something important? Um. There's, there's different answers to that, and most of them is, well, there's coincidence. I found this. I just found the paper. Mm -hmm. I wanted to buy paper, and I bought some really good white stuff. And then I found this, and I thought I'd just take it along. It costs practically nothing, mm -hmm. to be honest. Uh, and then I found out, and I had it at home, and I thought, what do you do with it? So I brought it to the studio, and it was just lying there. And then at one time, I started painting on it and drawing on it. And I found out that it's quite interesting because it has a totally different surface it's waxy on one side and on the other side it's a bit rougher, so mm. you can also choose the side. Um, so by coincidence, I found out that there's some really advantages. Plus, the big part or the big work that I talked about at the beginning, when you glue these things, they're not entirely flat anymore. They start to become kind of wavy. Mm -hmm. And if you have like a piece of that of two meter 20 or 180 or what did I say, something like this. So I don't even know how many pieces that is. Let's say it's 30 or something of these modular pieces. It becomes very much like a textile thing, like a, mm. like a wall carpet or whatever, but it shines through a tiny bit. So there's a lot of advantages. Uh, the other part of your question was the valuable and the non-valuable. Um, for me, it's important that the drawing that I put on there 
I don't consider it valuable until I really like it. You in, we, we interviewed you, Bus, and you said that it takes a while to get acquainted to an object, let's mm -hmm. put it that way. And maybe with a drawing, it's the same. But if I would consider a drawing, a line from the very, very first moment as valuable, it would probably stop me. Mm -hmm. And the first drawing teacher I ever had, well, it was the second one actually, when I was 17 or something, he told us to buy the cheapest paper that we could get. So you don't give value. So yeah, feel because he said it, it, it stops you. Mm -hmm. Actually, he was a, I think he was a student of Joseph Boyce, actually. And uh, then he was in this village where I lived. He was teaching us. And he said, you buy the cheap stuff so that it, you are free to, to work on it. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise you always think, oh, oh, oh five euros, five yeah, euros yeah. per paper. And, and you, you get this kind of stuck movements. Mm -hmm. And if the thing is about movement, And uh, moving towards your uh, smaller drawings, yeah. because uh, we were just in your studio looking at it, and uh, you told us you did them during uh, uh, the lockdown. And because the one uh, you did just described, it's like really like a uh, wall size, and now you really move towards more A4. Um, yeah. But it's of course a complete different kind of gesture. Could you tell something about that? Well, the, the starting point again was in a certain sense coincidence that was indeed uh, the pandemic started and for some weeks I didn't go to the studio and so I decided that I would work at home and space is limited in comparison to what I have in the studio. So I said, okay, then I work on the small things like years before when I did these tiny, tiny drawings, mm. but now in between a lot has happened because I worked on the collages and all these. So I was coming back from the small, uh, from the big stuff down to the small. Uh, I always found this really interesting in all the years that I, I always had problems to let things grow and now all of a sudden I had to get them tiny again. Mm -hmm. And so I started drawing um, with the material that I had actually, which was at home, not oil, but acrylic. And pencil and whatever. And the first thing that happened was I threw out the collage. So now it's just about drawing, mm -hmm. drawing, painting in between. Maybe because I got more sure about what I'm doing in the collages, I could get rid of mm -hmm. the collages. The big thing that I talked about only had tiny pieces of collage left. And now the small ones don't have anything at all. And it's because we talked about uh, item, we talked about the process and so on. This is much more about the drawing itself, I think. Yeah, I would like to ask. So I will try to describe this, what became a series. And I would see them as, as uh, gestural um, structures. Some you could call complete, some are hints of structures but also imaginations of structures or or uh, stains or uh, hints of stains uh, you know uh, with my limited uh, kind of uh, vocabulary of painting but it feels a lot that in any case it has to do a lot with perception of 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 structure more than like forms or uh, something that is in relation to architecture uh, and then of course the the gesture is there very very present 
So these drawings make me think about the duration they are made in, when the moment. So if we thought about before how to, you know, this relation between erasing, erasing or hiding or adding here, it's really a very delicate, very delicate lines that it feels like the gesture of stopping is not less important than, uh, or not less strong than actually the drawing itself. Yeah. So something that remains very delicate in a way. Um, so my question would be, how, what do you see the relation between, maybe I'm jumping ahead five more questions, but that's, it feels like an ur urgent question. What is the relation between these photo, these uh, works, this series and memory? For you it's a pretty pretty good but daring question also mm -hmm. um, for me this question comes back and maybe I misunderstand you or maybe it's like a like a, a strong interpretation of it but memory this, this question for of the meaning of memory in this uh, also touches a tiny bit the question of what am I actually drawing or painting there. They are not figurative. Some of them are really just structures or whatever. I'm, uh, I would love to not call them composed because I don't want them to be composed, but of course there's some matter of composing in there. It's rather more structure. It's true that they are very delicate. So sometimes one line can ruin them. So something must be there that is guiding me in it. Some of them are close to figurative. And which is quite important for me that sometimes you have the feeling you see like an you see like an object or you see like a just a vessel or glass or like uh, something um, which could appear or a piece of architecture indeed. But maybe the word memory is quite good because memory I think means that you uh, are in a certain distance to what you memorize. So something happened in between, and maybe the drawing process is this happening in between. On a second level. Um, so yeah, it's more about memories. That's true, and it is about and and oblivion also and forgetfulness. Like that's how yeah, I time bit as well. like interpret this. Yeah, in between the disappearance or that kind yeah. of quality that these have. They're harder to grasp. Also with the with the collages, I always found it quite important to say that even though they looked really strangely. Com post if I use this word even though I don't like it or put together and so on and a bit chaotic in some ways this is how I see the world so for me this is maybe not figurative but totally realistic this is actually how I perceive the world and the small drawings because they're more fragile are maybe the same thing but then through the filter of memory so I like this word a lot I never thought about it but it's it's really nice and um, yeah so so there is this kind of, of distancing myself from it and uh, speaking about the memory because um, uh, like this direction and I uh, we spoke about before and you told me about that uh, you were originally from Dortmund and um, I remember as a child because Dortmund uh, lies in the Ruhrgebiet and I remember as a child when we uh, drove through uh, the Ruhrgebiet it was like this this eternal like uh, <laughs> industry and all this metal and everything and I thought it's such an apocalyptic uh, landscape so I was very really curious like 
how do how much does this influence you like speaking about the memory and is because i think it's quite a um, typical area area to grow up in what i think is um getting these two topics or actually it's just one topic together that you asked for i you are now making it more specific is that indeed uh, images of landscape with image and already mean something which is more processed, not a direct photographic image of something, uh, is quite important. And for the rest, I never thought about if the Ruhrgebiet has some influence on me, but um, it's certainly so that if you grow up on the coast of southern Mediterranean, you probably have another background than growing up in that area, even though I was not, I was born in Dortmund, which is like part of the Ruhrgebiet. I grew up really on the edge of it, where it is rather green and we had like a farm next to us and there were a lot of animals, so it was not so much. But if I, by this question, am asked to talk about my memories or ask myself what are the memories of my childhood, there's a very certain atmosphere. And indeed, you have these huge steel factories, steel works, uh, Hochofen in German, I don't even know what it's called, these, these high uh, structures, ovens where you make steel. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, something is quite impressive in them. And it's definitely not a beautiful or picturesque landscape that I grew up in. And maybe the combination of rather different things to put them together. If something mm -hmm. is too harmonic, I always get like a problem. My biggest problem is actually that I always want to put stuff together which I think is probably ugly. It doesn't fit, and then afterwards everybody tells me that my drawings are beautiful. Mm. And I'm like, eh, that's not what I want. Yeah, it's kind of funny also. What what it makes me think of also now speaking about this and moving this direction, like speaking about the line, also like all these pipes and everything you have in this yeah. room, and and it's all, all you almost could see it as all these these pipes going through through each other, or at least that's that's now how I kind of what what it makes me think of. I was just wondering, the only thing that I drew in the last two years or three years, apart from some drawings on vacation or so, which is figurative, was actually some exhaustion pipes in the garage of a friend of mine. So it's funny that you talk about these mm. pipes. Yeah, I don't know, something was fascinating about yeah. that because it's really a shape. It would be something for you, actually, but you already work with stuff like that. But um, because you also told me about the, I'm speaking about uh, the memory and uh, the Ruhrgebiet and uh, moving like literature, like uh, Ralph Rotman, you told me about because that he uh, was some literature that really describes this this landscape or. Um, yes, yeah, just a landscape. It's really the feeling that I'm talking about. I'm I'm not a. I'm just reading a book by him. Um, friend of mine gave it to me and he said it's not worth it. <laughs> he's probably right. I really got stuck in it. So it's not that I like everything of him and he's. Uh, in his literature or in his writing, he's not a person that influenced me very much than there's other ones. But what was impressive, and I think it's more than 20 years ago that I read it, he wrote at least two books, at least two I read, which really brought back the entire atmosphere of what I remember from the 70s when I was a little boy in, in the Ruhrgebiet. And somehow he manages to, it's even the, it's like the temperature or the sphere between buildings or in a street or something like that. It's like, that is something that's a lot of movement in level five today. Um, that is something which I always find uh, interesting in, in literature. If you're able to, apart from language itself, which I'm interested in, if you're able to bring to the fore a kind of 
atmosphere. To, to, to give another example away from the Ruhrgebiet, um, there is some writers, Spanish and Portuguese that I've read, um, who are able to write in a way that you can feel the heat. Mm. I mean... Which writers are they? Hmm? Which writers are there? You forgot. <laughs> I don't remember the names right now. It's 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 quite a while ago. But um, what I mean is, it's not that they describe all oh, the sun was burning so much or like uh, uh, that could also happen. It's more like the with temperature, the distance between houses seems to grow or to move together or something. I don't know. You you're a filmmaker. You you probably are forced to to also catch feelings like that and put them back into image. I have the feeling that with, with uh, temperature, with humidity, with a certain kind of noise, with smell and so on, the feeling how you uh, walk through a street, how you move in a landscape and so on, that can be transported. And there's a few writers who are able to do that by their language, or I don't know what. And mm -hmm. um, Rotman is, to bring this back quickly, and capable to do that for the whole beat for a certain atmosphere in the 70s. Mm. I wonder, um Kind of from so as as it's difficult to to describe uh, your to 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 make your to describe in words your your work. Also, we're seeing you, we're watching you now speak, and I, there was some hook in the way you were speaking. So you was you said the word language while making a gesture with your hand of of a line, and then so for me, I want to go back to to this question of abstraction mm -hmm. versus something that is more, let's say, articulated into like a phrase, okay? Um, to, so we're going back to, to let's, these, the, the confinement series. I would like to ask you when, like how would you describe, let's say, the moment where a line becomes um, start to signify something that you can see in reality or when let's I'm trying to phrase quickly a question that would be you know sufficient for this big uh, topic like how how to actually look at a line or when a line and uh, I have this question okay how <laughs> do you feel that a line the character of a line being Uh, being abstract or or being like a part of a structure in the birth of the line or in the beginning of the movement or as it goes so it kind of dictates what it's gonna be while it's like so the letter yeah i would say the last one because there's this nice phrase and there was also an exhibition i believe at least i have a book and i think it's a catalog um taking a line for for a walk It's actually the English translation of a Paul Klee saying, um, eine Linie spazieren führen. So taking a line for a walk means um, that the movement of the walk is actually defining the line and also, of course, the speed of it. So it's not so much the beginning in this, in this line. It's also not so much the end, although it's quite important. But for me, it's... Um, I just found out that if I want to make a certain line, I shouldn't do it. So, I mean, if, 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 if I, I have too many plans for a certain thing, it becomes too artificial or it becomes too much forced. So there's a lot of coincidence in the drawings as well, but that's also due to the fact that 
Um, I mean, it's even a danger. If you get to know the lines much better and you know, oh, okay, with a pencil I can do this, with a wax crayon I can do that and so on, and you get a certain kind of routine, it's dangerous, it becomes dead. So I always have to make myself do something which I'm not expecting at a certain point. But I think it's in the movement itself. Do you consider it as kind of being in a trance? No. No. I, I tried it, that it, before. It is a subconscious act in that sense. Um, it's it's an act which I can't control so much. But then we come back to language to, to use this trance-like situation. And it was never about trance. But um, years ago, I tried uh, to speak as fast and as well, not as fast that it's not understandable anymore, but fast as long as possible without thinking before I speak. And the maximum was five minutes 37. I, I remember that because I taped it. And um, because then I, I had this knot in my tongue and it doesn't work anymore. Um, the reason was that I had to do a speech in front of 500 people or something, um, which I never had a problem with. And I was totally like, yeah, I can do this and so on. It was in Berlin in front of architects. And a friend of mine, she she recorded it. And I was standing there on stage and I had a blackout. And I felt that I had a blackout. And I thought, shit, and I never had a blackout in my life. And I, this doesn't impress me very much. And I can just talk because I like to talk and hear myself talk anyways. And so, but I found my way back in, but it took a while. So this blackout was really there. And then afterwards, I asked this friend of mine, um, wasn't it too bad with this blackout? And she said there was no blackout. And I said, well, what do you mean there was no blackout? And even on the recording, you don't hear it. So I noticed that even though I had a blackout, I just kept on talking. So I felt that I can talk without even thinking, <laughs> which is quite visible in my interviews probably as well. But anyways, <laughs> so what I want to say is um, afterwards, I tried how fast can I talk? How much can I talk yeah. without thinking? Just like, and then it becomes a question of rhythm. And there's a lot of repetition in there because if you do it really fast, you cannot come up with a new sentence all the time. So to win time, just it's like motorically, it's not uh, mentally or so, you repeat. Mm -hmm. And the drawing has maybe something of that. That's also something which I, I liked a lot. So if I make this wavy line, that's what yeah. I like about speaking and language also, that it becomes a rhythm. And, and on the rhythm, you can glide forward. Yeah. What I'm curious about, because I know you and uh, I know you don't have any difficulties with speaking. <laughs> it is more also curiosity. Do you do you yeah. know why why what it caused that you all of a sudden had this blackout? Because like I have uh, no idea. Just I have no idea because I'm not. Uh, I can be afraid of a lot of things. I can be very very shy with a lot of things. Um, but that was a situation where I knew what I was doing, and uh, I have no idea. Maybe it's just that I relied too much on it and something mm. just went wrong. And moving from there, because now you're telling that, that is, uh, this lecture was about architecture and uh, you have a background, uh, you studied architecture. So um, how much does that influence the drawings and vice versa? Yeah, I think, it, let's say, took a long time to get further away from the architecture but it's still in there like i when you said it's more like structure then uh, of course it has a lot of, to do with that um, but in earlier years it was clearly architecture 
already during the studies I did always stuff which was more theoretical or art-like in a certain sense. I told you, Basel, uh, I was always jealous that I didn't study act, uh, art, so I was jealous uh, towards those who did take this decision and I did architecture, so I used architecture to mm-hmm. create my own space for that. Um, but I made models, I made drawings, it was a lot of, it was very conceptual, very, very conceptual, and it was, I only started with painting because I was busy with the topic of landscape, the notion of landscape, and at a certain point I had the feeling I have to paint this. And then I made the painting and I found out it doesn't work that way. It's not like, I mean, you never painted before and then you just do a painting and mm-hmm. everything is done. So from there, very, very slowly moved on. But this idea of spatial, yeah, of course, it's always in there. But of course, like architecture, it's really about the body and how we relate yeah. to to uh, a room or to, to a space. So um, coming back then to the drawings, like the, the, the bigger ones, it's also like really, uh, you really can relate body-wise to it. Yeah. And how do you feel about the body towards uh, these drawings? And I think it's, it's pretty important. First of all, you have to know that it's a total uh, overestimation if you think that uh, in the university you are taught that architecture has something to do with body. That's not the case. You, I think the word body was never mentioned once apart from drawing or so in architecture. So you have to learn this yourself and also learn some sensibility about, uh, sensitivity about material and so on, which I'm not sure if I have. Um, but yes, it's true. It's true for the small drawings because it has not only to do the way they are made with the speed, but also with pushing and Drawing slowly, drawing faster also means how much do you push into the paper, how much do you rub, how much do you maybe tear things apart and so on. Uh, but that, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I remember this. Um, um, what is it, the, the big black piece, Darkness? Darkness Visible. Darkness Visible that you made, which is also by rubbing the paper very, very much until it's almost torn. We talked mm-hmm. about it in the interview that we did with you. And so, yeah, of course, this, this pressure that you put on there, and it's a physical thing. And then in comparison to that, these small drawings you have like that, you have the big one. And I just said that it's a bit like textile, kind of, like a wall carpet. But it there is some temptation to wrap myself into it in a certain way, because it's just a tiny bit more than, uh, than man's size. Mm-hmm. And um, it's also defining the space, of course, mm-hmm. because it's almost the entire wall. So, of course, I'm interested in, uh, in making space. A friend of mine offered a wall that I could paint on. I'm just very hesitating because then it puts pressure on me. Mm-hmm. If we talk about the cheap paper, what I said at the beginning, and now it's somebody is offering me his entire room, I'm afraid that I will freeze mm. and then um, like when it comes to the body and also like something can be in skill like relating to the body but uh, how is it about like in the movement like you can also like uh, because si- if something is big you can also like with your arm make much more uh, yeah. uh, movement but how is it in the drawings do you Make big movements, or do you always go for? I make rather small movements, mm. especially in the in, in the small drawings. Also, in the bigger ones, it works. There were some when 
Uh, by the way, I never use a brush, hardly ever. I just restart it a tiny bit. Um, but normally I don't do that. And so with a big collages I also had somewhere, I just put a rubber glove on and then I just took the, the paint with my hand and I put it on there and that is this movement. Then if you just spread it over the paper, and it works a lot like, like mm. that. So yeah, there's, there's something to it definitely, which is, is quite physical, but it's not that I want to ruin it. I don't want to tear it apart or whatever. There's mm. not much aggression to it, not at all. No, but it's funny what you say now, like uh, speaking again about a line, when you make a line, you always have a tool that makes a defined line. And it's funny that in the end, you to make this big movement, you use your hand yeah. as a kind of a pencil to make it again, but then for this big movement, yeah. um, I don't know if it, uh, it's interesting, but I, I find it interesting. And, uh, then you make kind of a pencil out of your hands to, to be able to, and yeah. then with, with paint to make this big movement. Uh, yeah, I bet you want to ask it. Yeah, I'm just thinking it's relating for sure to, to the idea of, to this, to the different movements you can do in the space, but also how you, how actually the architecture of confinement changed your practice into, change your uh, for, format from big to, yep. to small. I was wondering how like this situation, which is a bit in between confinement and studio, yep. maybe not, maybe it's fully on studio, but how this changes the, let's say the, the environment where you create or the architecture around the, around the gestures you do? Um, I think it doesn't change it very much. It's just the fact that I found uh, that these small drawings are something which I'm not done yet with and I want to work on that further on. So because now I'm back in the studio already for, for a while and I could do big stuff as well as small stuff. Both is possible and at the moment, I mean, there's not many limits apart from the fact that you have to um, wear a mask. So it's more like from the first confinement series in uh, or period in, in March till May, let's put it that way, um, that I came to these smaller, not only smaller, but also more intimate, I would say, drawings. And that has maybe something to do with that, or at least there was a reflection on that. Um, at the moment, there's rather another question. I asked myself, the collages, I never considered as political. But I never considered them as totally unpolitical because for me they were rather urban. They were like an expression of some kind of urban life and so on. These drawings, especially because they become more fragile and let's say thinner in a way, there's no way to call them political. And so I'm asking myself, is it okay to make drawings which in some times they even, well, at least they are fragile, they are purely about drawing maybe now. Not 100% sure, but it's like, it's really more and more about the line. Yeah. Is it okay to do some stuff like that? Or do you have to do some political? I mean, is it okay to not be obviously political as uh, somebody producing some kind of works at the moment? I would ask, I would ask a different question. Like, could you make something in this situation which is not political? So. It's like the same question, but yeah. actually saying that everything, especially if you speak about architecture, in my opinion, that, that actually you were confined to a specific uh, 
space that yeah. changed your practice and now you yeah. kind of take with you that kind of confine or like the quality of confinement or the, what confinement brought to you back to the studio space and still reflect on it i think that's and that's political work i mean depend i mean confinement the confinement uh, is also political in many ways where the situation we live in now is yeah but, but uh, i would like to know if i if i can ask back um, because you also stayed out of your studio for quite a long while did you but you have kids as well so i, I think that your confinement was probably quite active actually um Did you have the feeling that your work changed as a filmmaker, as uh, somebody who was in a different space than normally because we're using studio anymore? During this period, did you have effects of that? We're interviewing you, Olaf. Yeah, but still, <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> More on that in the next interview. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, changed completely, enhanced maybe some things, made yeah. everything a bit more hysterical, but absolutely, yeah. Um yeah, but we talk about it some other time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we do. It. I mean, maybe it's a good also moment to. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot more to talk about. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just uh, because I don't know how long we are busy now. So, but I, um, I, I would like to add one thing and then yeah, I, ask a question. And that's before I forget. Um, you said when we talked uh, about your work um, that you know exactly when to stop. And if you don't know when to stop, it's probably because the work is not good. Yeah. Something like that you said. Um, I know afterwards if I stopped at the right time. Mm. But yeah. stopping is always the most difficult part yeah. of it. Probably. Yeah. No, because um, maybe it's too easy to compare it. Uh, but uh, I can I can think that people would think about Sight Womley looking at your work. Yeah. Um, um, because I know Sight Womley... Uh, Often he made his work really fast, but it could take ages before he was uh, finally starting the painting. Uh, how is it for you? Um, is it is it a quick act, or do, do you do it bit by bit? In comparison to, for example, that you said sometimes you come up with something which looks simple, but you worked on it for a year. I would say I'm, I'm super fast, hmm. um, especially the drawings. The collages or the big one that I talked about that took months actually because and at the beginning I add a lot and then I take some stuff away again and so on but I worked on it rather like in bigger steps and in the end maybe for days and weeks nothing happens and then I just send put one more line in there or so on so that takes a while so it depends a bit on the size it depends a bit on the, on the work itself but the drawings and the smaller ones they happen rather fast. And I also start rather fast. Um, I have a slight idea from what I did before normally in which direction I want to go further. It can be color-wise, it can be, especially in the last weeks, it was important to get them a bit lighter, not so dense, but to leave more space open. Um, that I know before. And then I play tricks against myself by starting. Mm -hmm. Because then you already, it's a bit like the collages. With the first line, that's a good thing about the first line. You don't have the black, uh, the white paper anymore, so you already have something to to work on. If the first line is bad, then I have to start over. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we can open 
chapter two and uh, for like <laughs> 40 more minutes maybe and maybe next year with the new open studios yeah. <laughs> but um yeah thanks a lot and uh, thanks yeah, thank to know you. more about your practice and uh yeah i liked it a lot and uh, we do I think I people. <laughs> and then we do an interview with Aitan and then we can secretly put Continue. on some Yes, yes. <laughs> That's a good one. Let's do that. Okay. okay. Thanks a lot, Olaf. Yeah, thank you. Bro.